0: Life if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're true. You'll be set for life. So I wanna ask you: have you ever had something backfire on you? I surely have. And I tried to come up with an example. Of something that I tried to do one time that has totally backfired on me. Me and Anna were on the couch just kind of watching TV, and I was thinking, I need an example of something I did that was crazy. So I said, Anna, can you help me out with this? And she started really thinking, and I said, Okay, you're thinking of all the stupid things I've done now, haven't you? And she goes, She goes, I can't think of one thing. And I went, Yes, she can't think of one dumb thing I've ever done. <laughs> So anyway, um, I'm sure I've backfired things before, but I just couldn't think of one right now because I'm going to ask you to go into your own mind. You tried to do something, and you messed it up. Let me go ahead and give you one. I tried to fix my own life, and I messed it up more. The more I tried to fix my life, the worse it got. And that's the indication that you need a Savior. That's the indication you need Jesus Christ. So, no, I can't think of a single thing specifically, but if I had to give you one, it was that I tried to fix my world, and I goofed it up all the more until it got so bad, like a Ponzi scheme, they, they collapse on their self, that I finally had to break down and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus to fix it. Okay, so it's, it's a backfire, it hits you back, and we're going to see some of that here in Ezra 5, uh, I'm sorry, 6, hey, I just made a mistake, there you go, bam. And you know what? I'll tell you, if you make enough mistakes as this guy right here, God can even use you in ministry like he does me. (laughs) So let's see what happens in Ezra 6, verse 1. Then King Darius issued a decree, and a search was made in the archives where the treasures were stored in Babylon. Now look at this. And at Akmetha, in the palace that is in the province of Medea, a scroll was found, and in it a record was written thus In the first year, Of King Cyrus, King Cyrus issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be rebuilt, the place where they offered sacrifices, and let the foundations of it be firmly laid. Its height, 60 cubits, and its width, 60 cubits, that's about 90 feet. Verse 4, with three rows of heavy stones and one row of new timber let the expenses be paid from the king's treasury. Also let the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple, which is in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, be restored and taken back to the temple, which is in Jerusalem, each to its place and deposit them in the house of God. Okay, Tat and I said, if this decree exists, you're going to find it in the archives at Babylon, but it wasn't there. However, they found a copy of it in Agmetha, which was 300 miles away. wasn't where Tat and I said it was going to be. I'm thinking the possibility of why there was not a copy in Babylon. I'm speculating here. Maybe it's possible that some God-hater stole the decree and destroyed it, hoping it would be forgotten about. But God had a backup plan. You ever have people tell you, always back up your data on your computer? Don't just back it up on that one hard drive. Back it up somewhere else, because if that hard drive fails, you need it somewhere else, right? God has a backup plan, has a backup plan for you, has a backup plan for me. I die down here, I'm backed up in heaven, okay? Same deal, always back up your data. You don't want to lose it. (laughs) I'm backed up in Jesus Christ, but God had a backup plan. There's a copy of it 300 miles away in Akmatha. Now, it's amazing that God guided somebody to look that far away. Tat and I said, no, it's in Babylon. Somebody somewhere knew, "Uh, go 300 miles up. That's, it'll be up there in Ak-Matha. Uh I think somebody in the kingdom somewhere, they knew their history well enough to remember that King Cyrus spent the summer in Akmata at the time when he declared that decree. God has a way to keep his commandments up like he said. So they found this scroll of King Cyrus's orders, but it did not just only say, yes, you can rebuild the temple, but it also stated what the dimensions of the temple were to be, what materials they were supposed to use to build it with. We read that. And that it would be financed by the royal treasury in Persia, and that all those articles of gold and silver, all the furnishings that they used in the temple for the sacrifice work that Nebuchadnezzar stole and took away, it declared, you bring it back. Whatever the enemy has stolen from you in your life, God has the ability to declare it returned back to you. So these things were to be given back to the temple. So they found this official decree from King Cyrus. Now King Darius has to uphold it. So, okay, Tat and I, he jumped in, up and down all over the Israelites about this. Who said you could build this? I want their names. Oh, here, King, I have the duty to tell you about it. But now watch what happens to what the king has to say to Tatnai. Ezra 6, verse 6. Now, therefore, Tatnai, you'll see this? Ooh, Governor of the region beyond the river, and Shethar Bosni, that's his uh, assistant, and your companions, the Persians who are beyond the river, keep yourselves far from there. Let the work of this house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews... And the elders of the Jews build this house of God on its site. <laughs> and when I read that, I thought, oh, I just love it. <laughs> Here we go. Mr. Tat, keep your nose out of it. Stay out of there. Leave them alone. But you know those commercials where they say, but wait, there's more. There's more. Okay. Ezra 6 and 8. Moreover, oh, I'm like you thought he was done. <laughs> Moreover, I issue a decree as to what you shall do for the elders of these Jews, for the building of this house of God. Let the cost be paid at the king's expense from taxes on the region beyond the river. This is to be given immediately to these men so that they are not hindered. Okay, did you notice whose taxes were supposed to pay for this? Where is the region beyond the river? It says that's the, pay, the taxes paid from the region beyond the river. Now, where is the region that Tatanai is governor over? Look at verse 6. It says, Tatanai, governor of the region beyond the river. So what the king basically just said, he said, leave them alone, and the taxes that are going to pay for this are going to come from your region. You're paying this. You see the backfire? As a matter of fact, Byron and I were talking about this just the other day at practice, and Byron said, hey, I read Ezra 6, and I was like, yes, yes, in your face, boy. (laughs) Pretty much the same reaction I had. Tat and I, he he just stuck his nose too far in, right, and it blew up in his face. So, uh, Tatty Cakes here. He's got a lot of new work that he has to personally oversee himself out of his own bank. So that's not the end of the new work pile. There's still more to do. And there's more. Whatever they need, young bulls, rams, and lambs for the burnt offerings of the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, and all, according to the request of the priests who are in Jerusalem. See, now the priests are telling Tat and I what to do. Let it be given them day by day without fail that they may offer sacrifices of sweet aroma to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Also, I issue a decree that whoever alters this edict, let a timber be pulled from his house and erected, and let him be hanged on it, and let his house be made a refuse heap, which is a dump, be made a refuse heap because of this, and may the God who causes his name to dwell there destroy any king or people who put their hand to alter it or to destroy this house of God which is in Jerusalem? I, Darius, issue a decree. Let it be done diligently. Holy guacamole. So he was told three things. First, do not interfere with the Jews rebuilding this temple. Second, your tax money from your area is going to pay for it. Give them everything they need, anything. And third, Anybody that disobeys this decree, they're going to be impaled on a beam taken from their house, and then their house is going to be turned into a dump site. Now, no one would now dare try to stop the temple from being rebuilt now, or else they would be killed. You would be downright executed. Now, there was a lot of opposition to Darius when he took the throne at that time. It's like in the United States, every time we elect a president, half the country goes berserk this way and half the country goes berserk that way and we all fight and it never gets seems to get resolved. So I think Darius was dealing with some trouble and he didn't want any more opposition to his rule at this time. So I believe the Lord used that political pressure to get Darius to see to it that this temple gets rebuilt because Darius didn't want any more disturbance than what was already going on. Darius was politically driven. But God used His authority through that to get done what He wanted done, and I would dare tell you that's happening in the United States right now. We're divided, we're fallen, but that's the way we're supposed to go. Prophecy doesn't say everything's going to get rosy. It said think, times are coming. Don't be worried about all oh, this. Co- this whole country's going down. It's going down. Don't worry. We're destined to go up. We're not going down with this country. We're going to go up with Jesus. But don't let the polit- politics overrun you. God's authority is above that to do what he wants done. So he didn't want any more disturbance. So basically, God caused an enemy to be at peace. God caused an enemy of Israel to become at peace with them. Ezra 6 and 13, where the temple is completed and dedicated. Then Tatnai, governor of the region beyond the river, Shethar Bosni and their companions diligently did according to what King Darius had sent. See, they don't want to get hung on a pole. Verse 14, so the elders of the Jews built, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo. Okay, I'm just going to pause there for a minute. They prospered through what? Through the prophesying. These men came and preached the word of God to them. You have victory ahead of you. Prophesying is telling you what's in the future with the Lord. You have victory ahead of you. Friends, I'm here telling you, you have victory ahead of you in Messiah Jesus. I'm prophesying to you according to the word of God. And what will that cause you to do? It will cause you to be successful in what you do. You want things to be successful in what you do? Then understand what you have in Messiah Jesus. Work like you're working for him. You see the equation at play here? This is great. So, and they built and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the command of Cyrus, Darius and Artaxerxes, kings of Persia, they had all given permission for this in the past, so Tat and I should have known better. Verse 15, now the temple was finished on the third day of the month of Adar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. So now the Jews, they built the temple up because of the prophesying of Haggai and Zechariah. And this tells me that Haggai and Zechariah told them they would be successful in their work. This is going to get done. The temple will be rebuilt. So now that they were totally funded and now things were getting done, they would remember back, hey, we were prophesied this. We were promised to have victory, and now it's here. And how excited they were. Friends, I'm telling you, you have victory in Jesus Christ. And when He comes and takes us home, you're going to remember that I told you so. (laughs) You're going to say, Here it is. What an exciting day. So you can see how important it was for the two prophets to tell them what was coming before it happened. Here's what's coming before it happened. Friends, I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back so that when He does, You're going to go, I remember, I remember being that prophecy being told to me and you're going to rejoice when it happens. So when they saw it come to pass, everybody would know God does exactly what he says he's going to do. You know, I always have people ask me, Ray, how do you know that your faith is the right one? And I always tell them this. Number one, the word of God is truth and it always does what it says. What the Lord God says is going to happen happens. It's validation. That's how I know because the Word of God is true and what He says is coming happens. So the people are like, wow, they said this was going to happen and here it is. We couldn't afford it. We had every nation telling us, no, you can't. Who told you you could build this? And Tat and I went and tattletailed on us. It looked like we were never going to get it done. And now it's gotten done and we didn't even have to pay for it. We were prophesied this. We were told we had victory coming. Friends, I'm telling you, it may look impossible now. It may look miserable now, but it's coming. Your victory in Jesus, you already have it. But if you're in Him, you've got eternal life coming. That's exciting. Ezra six and sixteen. Then the children of Israel, the priests, and the Levites, and the rest of the descendants of the captivity. Look at what they did. Celebrated. They partied. Guys, the Lord Jesus working in the Lord God. You should be happy about it. You should be joyous about it. They celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy, joy. Verse 17, and they offered sacrifices at the dedication of this house of God, 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, and as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. They assigned the priests to their divisions and the Levites to their divisions over the service of God in Jerusalem, as it is written in the book of Moses. Only Levites could be priests, so they're setting up the priesthood back up. Got a temple, let's get the priesthood going back up. You Levites, come on, let's do your job. But what a dedication. I mean, you know the point of having a temple, the whole point of the temple being there was for the Lord God to dwell in it among his people. God loves to dwell in the temple with his people. We are the temple now. And he loves to dwell in us, he loves to dwell with his people, and he wanted to be among them, and for the sacrifice work to be done in the temple, that was for the covering of sins. God loves to dwell in His people who have their sins covered. That's the whole point of the temple. that's why they're there. So he wanted them to rebuild the temple, and here it is: He dwelled with his covered people, and friends, that's how God wants to have relationship with us, to dwell with you. While you are covered, your sins are covered. And when you see how they made a sacrifice for each tribe of Israel, this jumped off the page at me, and I almost overlooked it. I almost read too fast. Slow down when you read the Bible, okay? They made a sacrifice for each tribe of Israel, all 12. That indicated their desire to have all of Israel back in the land with them, not just Judah. Right now, who's back? Judah's back. But how many sacrifices did they make? Twelve, one for each tribe. They're like, we're not all back yet. Let's do sacrifice for everybody. You know, I think of it for a moment, sacrifice being made for those who weren't back yet. Did you know that Jesus died for the sins of everybody out there, whether they're back yet or not, whether they're saved and believing or not? He died. The sacrifice is there. Friends, we got to be thinking about those who are not back yet we got a lot of people out there. They're not, they haven't returned to the dwelling place of God. We need to have them in our prayers that they come back. They saw that God says, look, I promise you'll get this done, and it happened. So now they're like, hey, then let's do for them. God did for us what was coming. Let's do for them. So, friends, you got your salvation. God says, I'm going to get you there. Now let's turn our attention to those who are out there and call them and, and help to call them. Let's pray for them. But I love it. They wanted all of them to come back, all the tribes back in the land with them, even though they were only the one tribe that was back so far, Judah. Now in verse 18, where it says they uh, assigned priests for service, just as the book of Moses specified. This means they, they now had men that understood Scripture well enough to know we better get back in God's order again. How many centuries did we read of Baal worship, of false god worship? They tried to dig it out of the land. It wouldn't come out. It was like a dug-in tick, right? But now they're reinstalling guys back into their positions in, in the priesthood. That tells me they understand we better get back in order again. We better get back in line with what God wants us to do. They get it now. took 70 years, but now they're not messing around. Now, remember in the past, they were dragged off into exile because they got away, they strayed away from scriptural guidance. Now, the fact that they put the priests in and it says they did it according to the law, that means they're reading it. Christian, you have to read your Bible. I got the biggest argument of recent times over that very fact. Christians don't have to read the Bible. I went, oh my good gosh, are you kidding me? You have to read it. You have to read the Word of God. You're His. You claim you love Him. You'll read it. I know kids that say, that say, I love my little game machine box thing on the TV. They're always playing it all the time. Yeah, you love it. Uh, you prove it. But how about if I said, I love my wife, but never came home to her at night. I always spent the night with other women all over the place. Oh, but I love you. Is she going to believe it? You don't spend any time with me. I don't believe it one bit. These guys love the Lord. They're spending time with the Lord. They're pursuing him in his word. Christian, you say you love the Lord, you better be in that book. If you're not, you're deceiving yourself. Something's wrong. And I always say the, the Bible that you get, it better not just be coming from me. <laughs> I don't give you enough to eat, to, to live all week. I can feed you one meal, but you got to eat Monday through Saturday too. You better be reading your Bible. So they got away from scriptural guidance, and now they're reinstalling priests according to the law. That shows us they really learned something from their 70-year exile, and they don't want to go back to that again. They learned that you suffer if you don't obey God. If you don't obey God, you can't expect good things to happen, and if you're not in his word, how do you know what God wants you to do? Friends, God knows the best way for his people to live life to its best. And if you stray away from that, then trouble sets in. So they had learned good lessons from their exile. And rather than harbor resentment against God for it, they're obeying him. And it's like, we better get in that book. We better see what we need to do now that we got this temple back. Well, we better put priests back, get the Levites, get them back in here. They're following the Lord. And friends, we need to be like that. We need to be the same way. You should be in that book every day going, Oh, God, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do? Read it, okay? Ezra six nineteen. the Passover celebrated. And the descendants of the captivity kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month, for the priests and the Levites had purified themselves. All of them were ritually clean. And they slaughtered the Passover lambs for all the descendants of the captivity for their brethren, the priests, and for themselves. Now, Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. He died for our forgiveness. He, he spilled his blood, to the blood, is life, to cancel the death of sin. He is our Passover lamb. Now, it's amazing how after 70 years of captivity, then probably another 18 years of captivity, because all the nations were trying to block the rebuilding of the temple, So 70 plus 18, you're talking almost 90 years, and they finished it one month before Passover. Now they're going to have Passover, right in time for Passover. They're done. Hey, we got this thing called Passover here that they found in the book. We better get ready for that. Hey, Tat and I, we need some materials over here. (laughs) So they're ready for Passover. And I think God wanted it that way, don't you? Finished the temple right in time for Passover to remember. It's been 90 years almost since they celebrated the Passover feast. Now, you got to think, what was the Passover feast about? It was the celebration of when their forefathers had been released from Egyptian slavery. So here they are celebrating their freedom from slavery yet again. Now this time they were held by the Babylonians. What's the first thing you want to do? Celebrate. Well, what did we do last time we got set free? We celebrated. What did we celebrate? We celebrated the Passover. Well, let's have Passover. When is it? Let me look in the book. Oh my gosh, it's next month. God has great timing, doesn't he? Thank you for listening to Set for Life.